Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Subray, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Priya Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Check them out at priapickups.com. And if you want to support the No Sleep Till Subray podcast on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Brent Jensen Music for details. All right. A popular musical question has been making the rounds on the interwebs these days, and that question is, what's going on with Bon Jovi's singing? Now, I'd seen a few of these posts, but I haven't really paid a lot of attention to it just because I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to these types of things, and because they're usually just clickbait for something dumb. However, I kept seeing more of these articles, and now they were being posted by reputable online music publications. So I had a look at some of the clips, and uh, wow. So at the start of April 2022, Bon Jovi kicked off a U.S. tour that would take the band through much of the American Midwest and southeastern United States. And it didn't take long for people to start piping up about how unusually poor Bon Jovi's vocal performances were. One woman said it was the first time she'd ever walked out of a concert. Another guy said, I want my money back, and I wasn't even there. There's a lot of this stuff. The comment that actually made me laugh out loud, and I I know this isn't funny, I shouldn't have laughed, but I, I couldn't help myself. The person said, for all those people who always wanted to sing like Bon Jovi, now you can. Come on, it's like John himself would probably laugh at that. The startling and very serious thing about this, however, is that there is some degree of reality attached to this comment in the sense that the clips that I watched from some of these shows where Bon Jovi's singing It's My Life or Wanted Dead or Alive or Living on a Prayer, it sounds like being at a bad karaoke bar. And not just because the singing is out of key, but because the delivery is delayed. The singing falls behind the measure. It sounds like somebody who's never attempted to sing the song before, or is uncertain of how the song goes, or even how to sing, or is wildly intoxicated. It's actually confusing, and it's a, it's a little bit terrifying in that way. And if you've watched these clips, you know what I'm talking about. And on top of all that, there's also some speculation that Bon Jovi was doing a bit of lip-syncing to pre-recorded tapes while performing Living on a Prayer, sometimes with his back to the audience. Now I watch those clips too, and it does seem like there's something kind of unusual going on there, but let's stay focused on the vocal issues for now. Now singers who are a little older miss notes here and there all the time. We all know that. And Bon Jovi turned 60 in March of this year. So it's expected that there are going to be a few flat notes. No big deal. But these performances that I saw aren't just a couple of missed notes. It's way beyond that. Axel Rose is also 60, and let's face it, he doesn't hold notes in higher registers with the control that he used to have. He doesn't have the same wind that he used to have in his younger days. But he still sounds very much like Axel Rose. And that's the difference. John Bon Jovi does not sound like John Bon Jovi. Not even close. At the beginning of some of the songs, the band would provide the key for Bon Jovi by playing a few notes from the song, and 
he would kind of verbalize without singing an actual word. His voice would just kind of rise and lower like he was trying to find the note. And then as he gets into the verses, his facial expression indicated that he was really struggling to sing those notes, almost like he was pained. And we all know that Bon Jovi has been using many of those old singer's tricks to gloss over the fact that he's lost some steps since the big anthems were recorded years and years ago. A lot of singers do it. We've all been to shows where it's been done. Taking songs down a full tone from their original keys, for example. Wanted Dead or Alive is a great example of that. It was recorded in the key of D. But in the clip that I just watched, Bon Jovi's guitar was tuned down one full step to C. Bon Jovi's also been using that old audience sing-along trick so many singers use where they hold the microphone up to the crowd to sing the chorus because the notes are too high. This always happens during Living on a Prayer, especially during that modulation in the last chorus where the key gets pushed up even higher. I don't think Bon Jovi has sung the chorus to that song live probably for the last 30 years. I've seen him live more than once, and he's always avoided singing those high parts. But again, that, that stuff is not unusual. A lot of singers do it. Bon Jovi in particular has always sounded a little bit reedy in a live setting. He's understandably lost a few steps over the years, but what happened in April is a dramatic shift. And because this shift was so dramatic, it really got me thinking about what actually did happen. And of course, there's never a shortage of opinion on the internet. And when I had a look, I discovered that a lot of people had chimed in with what they thought may be going on. One of the suggestions was that COVID may be the culprit. John Bon Jovi contracted COVID in October 2021 and apparently was not able to sing for two weeks as a result. This seemed plausible as a consideration, particularly when you think about the damage done to people's lungs and their respiratory systems in general, I suppose, by the earlier variants of COVID. Diminished lung capacity nerve damage in the vocal folds, leading to paralysis, all entirely possible. Technical issues were also cited as a possible explanation. Was it possible that Bon Jovi's ear monitors weren't working properly and he couldn't hear himself? Now, if you've been to a big live show, you've likely seen vocalists use these things now called in-ear monitors. They're like little earbud-type devices used in favor of those traditional wedge-shaped floor monitors positioned in front of the singer so they can hear themselves above the other instruments. Some people are speculating that these in-ears are deceiving Bon Jovi and leading him to believe that he's actually in key when he's not because he can't actually hear what's going on, but he's relying on what's called bone conduction hearing, a vibration you can feel in your head that leads you to believe that you're singing in key. I don't necessarily agree with this theory. If there is an auditory-related problem at all, it's more that Bon Jovi's hearing itself is probably damaged, and that this is the reason he's failing to interpret notes and pitch. Now here's an interesting postulation. The Richie Sambora factor. People are suggesting Bon Jovi's vocal woes are the result of Richie Sambora no longer being in the band. 
singing behind Bon Jovi and propping him up vocally, as it were. Yes, Sambora was an excellent singer. And quite honestly, and I've been saying this since the late 90s when those bootleg recordings came out of Sambora and Bon Jovi doing stripped-down acoustic cover versions of stuff like Bridge Over Troubled Water and Here Comes the Sun, that Richie Sambora was actually a better singer than John Bon Jovi. And I think he was. And I still do. But this doesn't explain Bon Jovi's severe downturn from where he was at just recently, performance-wise. People are saying Bon Jovi's live vocals were enhanced by Sambora, shadowing him on the choruses, and now that he's gone, the singing is thin because A, Sambora can no longer be heard, but also B, that Bon Jovi has to now sing with so much more force to cover the deficit. I disagree with the entire suggestion. Bon Jovi's got more than adequate background vocal coverage during these shows. You can hear it in the clips. Now, at the end of the day, I would say that this bizarre downturn is likely a combination of a few things. COVID could be one. Aging is definitely one. Hearing loss issues may be another one. And maybe a little bit of performance anxiety, given those first three factors. I think there's a little bit of psychology involved here. Now, for someone like the supremely confident and unflappable John Bon Jovi, who's been exalted as an icon for the last 35 years, to have to come to terms with the fact that the best years are now in the rearview mirror might be more of a bitter pill for him to swallow than it is for others. Maybe a combination of years of smoking heavily and COVID damaged his respiratory system significantly and He's not able to come to terms with the fact that he can no longer perform at levels he previously could. And he's forcing it. He doesn't want to give it up. For so long, John Bon Jovi was at the top of his game. One of the hairiest hair bands of the 80s not only survived the 90s, but actually managed to thrive with songs like Keep the Faith and Always. I remember being impressed by that back then. That John Bon Jovi managed to adapt and it seemed like he was in complete control. He didn't lose a step in managing to stay relevant through the ebb and flow popularity of so many musical genres and eras. He managed to elude the stereotyping of his 80s persona to become a widely respected, next-level musical artist. And whether you like the guy or not, that doesn't happen a whole lot. And I think that point figures into this entire observation in a very significant way. I know it's not always easy to recognize the fallibility of our icons, and I also know that it's nevertheless important that we do so as fans. I do know that. It's very important. But it seems like there's something more to this. Whatever the problem is, it's an extraordinary one. This peculiar and unfortunate string of performances was jarring to be sure, but it was made even more alarming and confusing by the fact that, in his right mind, John Bon Jovi would have never subjected himself to that kind of situation. He's always been someone who's shrewdly protective of his image and his reputation. Surely he would have never, ever knowingly exposed himself in such a potentially embarrassing way. 
As one of the most powerful players, surely he would have pulled himself out of the game, rather than risk destroying a legacy that he's taken so much time and so much care to cultivate. Wouldn't he? This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. <laughs>